Hope is beautiful. It gives us a reason to believe, keeps a smile on our faces. It just feels good to hope. Until that same hope kills. All right, welcome back to All Football is Good Football. I'm Aaron Irvin coming to you from Scottsdale, Arizona. As is the case during the season, there is plenty to get to. Uh, So, yeah, it's just another midweek show. Uh, We're going to take a look at um, let's take a look back at week six, some of those big matchups, some other brief weekend notes, do a little week seven preview and then walk out, get out here with some walk off rate wagers. So let's go ahead and get into it, starting with the Red River shootout of everything that I could be doing right now. This is probably the last thing that I would want to talk about, but it's got to get done. So let's start with the winners. The Oklahoma Sooners came out with their hair on fire. They simply wanted it more, at least that's how things looked on the field. They executed at a higher level uh, than Texas. They they were just more disciplined. Uh, they showed signs of being a great team. They did. In the biggest moments, the opening of the game, coming in, getting an interception, and then um, starting off in, te- in Texas territory and getting a touchdown, uh, getting a touchdown, um, getting points on the board um, at the beginning of um, of the second half, getting that goal line stand, and then just their management of the end of the game with 77 seconds to go to be able to drive down the field and get a touchdown to ice it. I mean, they, they, they made the plays at the right times, and that's really, that's really all it comes down to. Um, I have to give a lot of props to Brent Venables and the job that he's done to – get this program seemingly back on the right track. That Oklahoma team is honestly a lot better than I originally thought they were. Um, to come into this game knowing that you got beat 49-0 last year, yes, I know that was with without a starting quarterback, but to make up 49 points um, against a better Texas team, um, definitely, definitely have to give um, him his props for that. It's definitely a program-defining win for, for Brent Venables. Um, but yeah, I mean, let's let's actually get into some of the some of the details of this game. Dylan Gabriel, um, as a passer, I mean, was was pretty was pretty pedestrian for the most part. He, you know, he's got 285 yards. He finishes with 285 yards, 23 of 38, and a touchdown. Um, and if OU was going to win this game, I I thought that he would have to have an all world kind of game as a passer. Um, I didn't take into consideration just how effective he would be with his legs, 14 carries for 113 yards. Um, and just, I mean, completely taking advantage of massive lanes in the Texas defense. Um, the OU offensive line was fantastic. They did not allow a sack the entire game. It made what many people, myself included, uh, believing that that Texas D line uh, could be dominant, pretty much made them irrelevant for, for the whole afternoon. Um the defense, uh, the Oklahoma defense was great in the first half. Again, you forced a turnover on the first drive. You forced another one on the second drive. Uh, so you get two turnovers in the fourth, in, in, excuse me, in the first quarter, three turnovers on the day. Um, and the Sooners also did not surrender a single turnover. There was that weird thing that happened on the punt. But the offense did not surrender a turnover the entire game. So, I mean, that is, that's how you win games. And now we go to Texas. Texas punted once the entire game and still lost. Just too many mistakes. Um, 
most of them were early. I know there was a fumble later in the game that Texas wanted to win, but most of the killer mistakes for Texas happened early in the game. Um, and I know much is going to be made about Sark's late game uh, management. There's truthfully plenty of fault to go around um, amongst the Longhorns. Um, a lot of the big-time players, I mean, just were kind of nowhere to be found. Um, and it was it was just a lose. It was it was a recipe for a losing effort, a sloppy start, poor end of game management, big players not showing up at the big spots, undisciplined football. I mean, nine penalties for seventy yards. It's just it's just not a recipe for success. Um, so what this means for the two going forward, Oklahoma. Now a top five team in the nation controls their own destiny for the Big 12 title and the college football playoff. Texas um, actually needs some help to uh, get get to the Big 12 championship. They're, they're going to need some tiebreakers to go in their favor or some teams to, to drop some games. And then, of course, uh, they would obviously need a lot of help um, getting to the playoff at this point. It looks like those chances might be shut, but, you know, just a lot of a lot of season left to play out. So. Yeah, it'll just be interesting to see. Truthfully, I don't know if either one of these teams is back, but the Red River shootout was certainly back, and it was certainly a game for the ages. <sighs> that hurt to talk about. All right. Let's go ahead and get into less personal game for me. LSU and Missouri. College football is a talent acquisition sport. LSU was more talented than Missouri. Combine this with two turnovers, LSU was always going to win this game. I said it last week that it was going to be whichever defense stepped up and made the big play. LSU, their defense, again, getting the two turnovers, one at the end of the game to close it out. That's what they needed to do. Defensively, they couldn't do it against Ole Miss. They got it done against Missouri. Jaden Daniels, in my eyes, would be a Heisman candidate if this team had had a half decent defense. I mean, it's 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 embarrassing, frankly. Um, but for me, I mean, this this game was a lot about how LSU was gonna was gonna respond. Uh, they get down fifteen early again after that that heartbreaking loss to your rival on the road. You're on the road again. And you find yourself down 15 early. Uh, very well could have seen this team quitting. They fought. They stuck through. They fought through. Um, they battled back. And like and again, like Oklahoma, they made the plays when it matters. LSU still only has one SEC loss. They'll host Auburn next week. It's just interesting to note that though one SEC loss still have Bama and A and M ahead of them. Because they only have the one loss, they do still control their. Um, well, if, with with an Ole Miss loss, they would control their own destiny to the to an SEC title game. Missouri has to be proud of how they competed in this game, um, and and the start to the season. Um, they still have one SEC loss, and they you know they're going to look to get back in the win column against UK in a battle for the SEC East silver medal next week. And speaking of the Wildcats, let's go ahead and get into them now. I'm going to talk about the Kentucky and Georgia game. Um, and the truth is, I, I there, there are definitely some people um, that got got on on this game. I I myself almost got got um, on this game. Um, but listen, right now, Georgia is the best program in America right now. There's no debating that. 
Um, now, I did not say that Georgia was going to win the, the SEC or that they would win the national championship, although they are my preseason um, SEC champ. That's not what I said. I just said that right now they are the best program in the country, not guaranteeing that they'll win anything this season, though. Brock Bowers is the best player in the nation. And in my opinion, it would be an absolute travesty if he is not invited to New York for uh, the Heisman ceremony. And yes, I know that his numbers aren't otherworldly like you would want for a Heisman candidate, but when you cut on the tape, when you look at these games, what, what, what do you see? I see the best player in the country wearing 19 for the University of Georgia. That's what I see. Georgia jumped out on the Cats early, and the truth was it, it, it was it was never going to be a close game. Again, college football is a talent acquisition sport. Georgia is more talented. Georgia dominated uh, time of possession. They had 603 yards of offense, 33 first downs, and they did this on offense, and their defense is only allowing Kentucky to two to less than two and a half yards of carry. They took away what Kentucky wanted to do early. It was said last week, Kentucky wants to be that that is is a lesser version of, you know, these more physical teams, your Georgias and your Michigans. They're going to try to establish the run game and then hit you with some play action passes over the top. Georgia didn't even allow that to become a reality. Sanford Stadium was rocking. It was one of those night games. It's not something that Georgia gets oftentimes. It was just a recipe for disaster for Kentucky. So looking ahead for Kentucky, they're going to have Mizzou next week. Again, it's going to be that battle for what I believe is going to be second place in the SEC East. And who knows? I mean, depending on how you finish, you might be looking at being third place in the SEC and might be able to get an at-large bid to a to New Year's Six Bowl, just depending on how things shake out around the rest of the country. So definitely still a lot to play for if you're a Kentucky fan or a, a Missouri fan. Georgia, again, they, they, they are the best program in the country. Their ranking reflects that. They still control their own destiny with the college football playoff, and they control their destiny in the SEC. If you wanted to stop Alabama from getting to Atlanta, I believe that it had to be in this game, talking about Alabama and Texas A&M. I think at this point the Tide are just going to roll through the rest of their schedule, and then they'll meet up with Georgia and Atlanta for the SEC crown in December. Um, I will say if I knew that Bama would have 23 rushing yards, I wouldn't have picked them to win this game. And, and yet they did. Now that number is slightly skewed. Um, but even if you remove Milrose losses on the day, that's still only 55 yards on the ground for Bama. And that is not at all how I saw Bama winning this game or any game uh, for the remainder of the season. So Credit to them for figuring it out. Oh, they also had 14 penalties for 99 yards. They were negative one in turnover differential. I mean, college football is just so weird, man. Um, but Milrow and Burden were, were locked in the second half. Probably Burden's best game uh, since leaving since leaving Georgia. Much is going to be made about uh, Jimbo Fisher's job security now, I'm, I'm, I'm sure. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how the Aggies – close out this season can they keep this because right now A&M still has a chance to finish the season as a, as a 10 and 2 9 and 3 team or or will this be just too deflating for the program there's also going to be a lot of conversation about Connor Wigman and the fact that he 
unfortunately, uh, was injured and being out for the season. Uh, so A&M working again with the backup quarterback. But this isn't, you know, just a, a run-of-the-mill backup quarterback. This is Max Johnson, who has played in several games at this point. So it's tough to really give the coaching staff the excuse of, oh, well, you know, you're stuck with a backup quarterback. Can't really let that slide um, for, for Jimbo and Petrino in this case. They, they've got to figure out a way to – to manufacture some more offense because even though um, Milrow and Jermaine Burton were absolutely on fire this game, the defense for Texas A&M absolutely made more than enough plays to uh, to keep them alive and and in this game with a with a real opportunity to win it. For Alabama, they again one loss, still um, keeping your SEC title hopes alive, keeping those college football playoff title hopes alive. Again, a one loss SEC champion is going to get to the playoff. Alabama keeps themselves in the conversation for that. Um, again, I, I don't see, I don't see Alabama losing for the rest of the season. I thought if they could get through Texas A&M that they would be good. They did just that. So, I mean, again, you know, we still got six weeks to go, so, um, it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out. But my, my gut instinct says that the SEC title at this point in the season is already set. I think some other conferences there, there's a lot, um, that needs to play out. But I think in ter- um, in the Southeastern Conference, we know who's going to be playing in that conference championship game now. Didn't have a horrible week picking uh, games, but this Notre Dame-Louisville game, I, I-, I couldn't have been more wrong here. Uh, Louisville came out with their hair on fire as expected, and, you know, they got off to a quick 7-0 lead. Woohoo! Um, but when the game got tight, I thought that the Irish, you know, being in those big spots would have, stepped up to the occasion and been ready for it and they just weren't as a matter of fact when the game when the game got tight Louisville forced Notre Dame to a turnover on downs then they forced a fumble and then they got an interception uh so and and they did this in 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 consecutive in consecutive drives it was frankly a very impressive feat by their defense Jawar Jordan played out of his mind against the Irish defense that I have a lot of respect for um, and Jack Plummer didn't have sexy numbers, but, but he was very effective as a passer, um, much more effective than Sam Hartman. That's not something I saw happening before the game. There were some, uh, mentions that Jack Plummer might be due for, a, for, a, for a good game that he might be the better quarterback. I, I scoffed at those for sure. And well, you know, he who laughs last laughs loudest. So yeah, this, this, this Notre Dame offense, they just look bad. Uh, they they need to find some guys that, that can make some plays down the field. Now, hopefully getting Drayton, Jayton Greathouse back in the rotation uh, can help get this offense going. Um, they also I, – I really think that they need to really start leaning on Mitchell Evans. I, I'm not sure why he wasn't more involved in the game plan earlier. Um, they kind of got him going late, but at that point too little, too late and, uh, kind of some garbage time n- numbers for Evans, but I think he's a very effective target um, as a tight end and a school that's that's known for producing good tight ends. Louisville's now 6-0, and and they have a very workable schedule as they uh, look to make a run for the ACC title game. Um, that would be absolutely massive for Jeff Brom in his first year if he can even just get to Charlotte for that game. Um, but I mean, to be six and zero at this point in the season, to be a top fifteen team in the nation, got got to be feeling good if you, if you're a Cards fan right now. That's that that's for sure. Notre Dame's gonna look to again bounce back. Um, this is their 
second loss in the last three games. Uh, they got USC before they head into the bye week and get out of um, the thick of their schedule. Now kind of taking a look back at the week, not a whole a whole lot of notes. Um, probably uh, one of the more interesting things is that it is possible for three teams in the ACC to finish undefeated. Uh, that would be Louisville, North Carolina, and Florida State all can finish undefeated because they all don't play each other. So it's just going to be interesting to see, okay, um, how will these tiebreakers shake out, if if it even comes to that. I personally want it to happen for, for the sake of chaos, but it will, we'll, we'll see. Um, also, as, as bad as I felt as a Texas fan, it, at least at least we didn't go out like Miami. Just a complete failure as a coaching staff. Um, and I just truly feel awful for the players. That um, I'm, I'm sure at this point in the week, every, everyone has every everyone that's listening to this and actually watches football is familiar with what I'm talking about. Um, but yeah, I mean to to not take a knee at the end of the game, to run it, to fumble it, it just just a bad situation all around. Um, taking a look back at how I did went three and two uh this weekend straight up went two and three against the spread so try to get a little bit better this weekend um doggone doggone longhorns got me again man doggone longhorns got me again um all right well let's get into um top 10 now got um some honorable mentions first I do have Louisville um is a team that I did give consideration to putting them in the top 10 couldn't do it quite yet but was very impressed and depending on how things shake up this week um with other teams playing might be able to sneak yourself in I have Texas out um out of the top 10 and honor- into honorable mentions this week um I I think the teams need to be punished for not rising to to big occasions I think Texas had a golden opportunity to firmly cement itself as a, I won't say as being back, but as a legitimate title, national title contending program um, by by um, by beating a rival at, on a neutral site. Didn't take advantage of the moment, so got to punish you for that. And then Southern Cal, I, I cannot I cannot reward that bad defense with being in top ten team. I just can't do it. That defense is putrid. That defense is god awful. I don't know what Alex Grinch has on Lincoln Riley, but it's got to be something just, it's got to be something abhorrent. If, if, yeah, it's, it's mind blowing to me that Alex Grinch is still employed as a defensive coordinator at any program, even a high school, a middle school. Like he shouldn't be, he shouldn't be allowed to be within 10 feet of any defensive coaching. I, I don't understand it. I don't understand it, but. We could go on a Alex Grinch rant any any day of the week. I wish he was still the defensive coordinator at Oklahoma, though. Probably would have helped Texas win. All right, let's get into actual top ten. Now, I got UNC there. Uh, I'm going to reward them for being an undefeated team. I uh, haven't been completely blown away with their strength of schedule or their strength of record, but you're winning games, and at a certain point in the season – this is October. Real football starts in October. I got to start giving you credit for that. So UNC is my number 10 team. I have a one-loss Alabama team over them, though. I think Alabama um, is starting to figure it out. Obviously, they showed some flashes of being able to to move the football through the air against the uh, A&M defense that some people uh, do have respect for some, some of the guys in that secondary. So I'll give Alabama some credit for being able to go on the road to Kyle Field, tough place to play, and uh, taking care of business over there. 
Um, number eight, got Ohio State. I, I, the first half of the Maryland game really, really concerned me. Now, I know that they eventually blew the game open and even covered the covered the spread as well, but just wasn't too impressive. I actually thought that this week I was going to be able to move Ohio State above my number seven team being Penn State, um, but it, not not to be this week. Those, those two teams are going to stay uh, stay where they are. Oklahoma, I do have coming all the way up to six. Very, um, again, impressed with the way that they were able to rise to the occasion and find a way to win the game. I think even neutral fans um, of the sport want to see that rematch happen of uh, Oklahoma and Texas in December for the Big 12 championship game. So hopefully both teams can can take care of business and give the people what they want. And number five, I have Washington. I've been very impressed with that offense um, thus far. And I know some some people will make a lot of what happened um, on the road against Arizona. I, I don't really give that too much um, too much thought for real. I think um, it's it's tough it's tough to win conference games on the road. Um, it's tough to win conference games. Period. So not too much I'll, I'll, I'll make of that. This is a very good offense. They got some key guys coming back this week, but we'll talk a little bit more about Washington later. Um, number four, I have Oregon. Um, I I think their defense is just a hair bit better than Washington, and that and that's why I give them the edge. I also um, really do think that um, Bucky Irving is due for a big game here soon, and I think once they get him up and really, really going, I think this offense can even go to another level. Number three, I have the Michigan Wolverines. I, I truthfully think that Michigan could could easily be a, the number one or two team. They just haven't played anyone this year. The And I know that some people will say that, that, that Georgia hasn't played anyone or – Alabama usually doesn't play anyone. Ohio State doesn't play anyone. But I'm talking about just this year alone. I have not seen Michigan do it against a team that I respect. But they are dominating. Aside from the bowling, uh, the Bowling Green game, they, they're they're dominating the games like they're supposed to. And so for that, I'll give them credit and absolutely say the number three. But I got them just a hair behind Florida State at number two. I know Florida State isn't necessarily dominating. Um, teams but I do think Florida State has the two best wins I've said this for a few times now in college football beating Clemson on the road being LSU in a neutral side I know the game was in Orlando which isn't that far from Tallahassee but whatever it's still neutral site technically it wasn't a Doak Campbell um yeah two best wins though um I think uh, LSU getting a win does kind of help uh the FSU case which you know is kind of interesting as we get closer and closer to those first playoff rankings coming out. And then at number one, again, back-to-back champs. They've shown that they can go on the road and get a tough conference win. They showed that they can dominate a ranked team. Um, although, yes, the game was at home, but they still dominated a ranked team. Whether you think Kentucky should have been ranked or not, you can have that argument all day. Still got Georgia as number one team in the country. All right, let's get into some Week 7 preview. I cannot believe that we are already halfway through the season that 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 to me is just crazy but yeah another great week of college football honestly I think every week is a great week of college football though hence the name of the show but anyway I'm expecting some absolute fireworks here with this first game I'm talking Oregon and Washington uh I think we got two Heisman caliber quarterbacks playing in this game then we got two offenses that are absolutely humming right now this could be a potential Pac-12 title game preview, just depending on how things shake out in that conference. Michael Penix is going to have 
his uh, full arsenal back. He's got some guys coming back into the rotation that were out uh, since week three. It's going to be very important as statistically Oregon boasts one of the best pass defenses in the country. In the country, they haven't really played um, an elite, elite pass passing attack. Uh, I know some people will talk about the Colorado uh, passing attack, maybe, but I think a lot of that credit needs to be given to the Oregon um, offensive line, and I don't think they're going to be, or excuse me, the Oregon defensive line, and I don't think they're going to be able to dominate Washington in the same way in which they were able to dom- dominate Colorado. Um, both sides are definitely going to be up for their biggest test um, up to date. Bucky Irving ran for 149 yards against the Huskies last year. He hasn't had a whole lot of touches this year, but he's been effective when he has. He's averaging 7.9 yards a carry, almost eight yards a pop. That, that, that's something definitely to to make note of. I think that I think this is going to be the week that they unleash him. I think that he's going to get a lot of touches this weekend, and I think that Oregon's actually going to try to slow this game down a bit, try to take some of the pressure off Bo Nix. We know that there's a lot of conversation about how does Bo Nix pr- um, produce some big games? How does he how does he perform? I think it's going to be interesting to uh, to watch and see how Dan Landing and the Oregon um, staff decides to to kind of manage and, and, and mitigate some of that. I had Oregon as my preseason Pac-12 title winner. I'm definitely a little bit concerned for them coming into this game. I think Seattle is going to be rocking. I, I think it in I also think that's one of like the sneaky tough places to play, especially when you get an environment like this. You got College Game Day coming to town. You got a lot of these other um, college football shows. I know Late Kick's going out there. I think uh, Pakel might be going out there. So we got we, we you got you definitely got the guys going out there. There's a lot of covers. There's a lot of energy that's gonna be that's gonna be um, that's, that's gonna be there in, uh, in in Seattle this weekend. I think the Oregon defense makes the play i mentioned in the top 10 i think that they i know that they're they're, they might not be as solid but as they were a year ago i think that they i think that they're good enough though to make one or two plays to get one or two stops doesn't even have to be a turnover can can you can you make an open field tackle that only gives up a 15 yard completion instead of a 35 yard completion can you make enough of those plays not asking you to be you know, early two thousand or excuse me, late two thousands, early twenty tens, Alabama. Just asking you to make a couple of plays throughout the game, similar kind of to what we saw LSU do. You can get cooked for the whole game. Can you make plays down the stretch? Can you make plays down the stretch? That's what it's going to come down to. This is going to be a very, very tightly contested game. Uh, the last number I saw in this game, I believe, was. Uh, Washington um, as two two and a half point favorites at home. I've, I've seen that kind of bounce around between two and a half and three and a half for for, for most of the week. Um, I am going to take Oregon to escape. I think it's going to be close, and I think with this, Oregon's going to cement themselves as a Pac-12 title favorite. And I also think that they will cement themselves firmly into the college football playoff conversation in a way that nobody can refute. I'm really looking forward to that one. That that one's gonna that one should be a lot of fun tomorrow. That one should be a lot of fun for sure. This one, this this one is this this one is kind of nasty. Actually, we're gonna talk USC and Notre Dame. I don't trust either team here. 
USC's defense can't stop a nosebleed, and Notre Dame has looked shaky at best the past two weeks. Now, I don't know if with Notre Dame's case, if we're going to, you know, give give credit to Ohio State defense and give credit to Duke's defense and give credit to Louisville's defense or if we're going to blame the offense. Um, it could definitely be a mix of both. Um, but it's a great weekend for Notre Dame. They got an opportunity to get back on track here. Uh, I expect a heavy dose of Estime. I, I, I think that they are going to definitely feed them against this USC um, defense that has that has just again that, that's been Swiss cheese, as some would say, um, to the to this point in the season. I think they were also going to see a lot more Mitchell Evans. I think they're going to get hit a lot with um, with play action. My question for USC is: Is there anyone on the defense that can open field tackle? The 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 Notre Dame offensive line. They 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 just need they they need to dominate. They need to dominate this game. They they absolutely have to. There's only one uh, USCD lineman of note as Barry Alexander. Notre Dame has to dominate the trenches, especially the offensive line. They dominate the trenches. You force the second and third level guys to um to make tackles. That's going to be a story all night. Now, when USC has the ball, Caleb Williams. Um, in this, in the offense, there, they're de- they're definitely good. They're, they definitely got it going for sure. They're, they're almost scoring at will. Now I know they had some troubles early on against Arizona, but they got it going eventually. Did enough to come out of there with a win. Notre Dame is looking to salvage the season, and they are going to be grateful to be back home after a tough two game road stretch. I don't trust either team. I truly do not trust either team here. That USC defense is just so bad, in my opinion, though, that I, it's hard for me to see Notre Dame not scoring points. We've seen everyone score on this USC defense. Who's to say that Notre Dame can't? Um, I, I think it's going to be a. I, I think it's going to be too much for Caleb Williams and, and, and USC to overcome. I think Notre Dame's going to tighten it up a little bit. I think they're going to get some stops along the way. And I think that that run game is just going to take the air out the ball, which, again, will also limit the possessions that Caleb Williams and the, and the USC offense get. I am going to take Notre Dame to win and cover the three. Um, it's concerning for me, for, for, for USC. They, they are entering an absolutely brutal stretch. I believe that they have the toughest uh, remaining strength of schedule as we – come into this final stretch of season um it, it, it will be interesting to see how usc fares um and where i don't think that lincoln riley is quite on the hot seat yet i do think that there's going to be some interesting conversations if usc misses out on the playoff to have caleb williams kyler murray baker mayfield jalen hurts as quarterbacks all either won the Heisman or were a finalist. Three of them, three of them won the Heisman. Hurts being the the only one that to to just be a finalist. To have those four guys at quarterback and to have never won a playoff game, and it's because your defense is so bad. It's 
I, again, I don't think Lincoln Riley's on the hot seat. I don't think that at all. But I do think there's going to be some, some some real conversations about either make staff cha- about making staff changes. That, that that absolutely has to be a conversation for Southern Cal going into the offseason. I think that I, I don't even if they by some miracle find themselves winning a national championship, I I still think that they should make some changes to to their defensive staff for sure. Um. Let's get into this this next game. I, I thought this was going to be a, a top 15 matchup um, heading into the last week. But, you know, Miami decided they didn't want to take a knee. Um, so it's still a top 25 matchup. We're talking about Miami and North Carolina. Um, still plenty at stake here. Uh, both offenses have, um, have, um, have been clicking for the most part this season. They're both averaging over 500 yards uh, per game. UNC defense has made slight has made slight improvements this year. Take note, USC um, and Miami is only um, allowing fourteen point six points a game. So, how is Drake May and uh, company how how are they gonna how are they gonna fare? Does Miami uh, rebound emotionally after such a grueling way to to lose a game? Truly, I don't think what happened last week is going to play too much of a factor. I know that it will be a talking point during the broadcast, I'm sure. But I don't think that that's going to be something that, that factors too much into the game. What I do think will play a big factor is Tez Walker. I think they're going to get him a lot more involved this week. I think he only had six catches or so. I say only six catches. He had six catches or so there, and they try to kind of ease him back into it. I think they um, – even if they might just use him as, as more of a decoy piece or maybe because Miami doesn't have as much tape on him this season, he, he's able to kind of exploit uh, the lack of film that's out there on him. Um, but, yeah, I, I think I think that's actually going to be um, a key in this game. I think there's going to be points galore in this game for sure. Um, and I think that the future top 10 draft pick, Drake May, is going to step up and win the shootout. I think um, that Tyler Van Dyke, he's, 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 looked, he's definitely looked better this year, not the Heisman caliber that, that some people thought he might be when, when he was um, first coming into Miami and stuff. But um, I, I, think, I think this game will actually be pretty, pretty good, pretty exciting for the most part. I um, think North Carolina is going to find themselves pulling away late, so I am going to take UNC to win. I'm going to take them to cover three and a half and uh, keep this undefeated season going. And who knows, maybe a win here will be enough to bump them into the top 10. Be interesting to see how, how things might play and shake out for them. Um, Mac Brown, seemingly coaching forever and, I mean, has a, has, has, a, has a team that is alive and well with a chance to win the, the ACC. Again, there's that, still that interesting scenario, though, where, that, where North Carolina, Florida State, and Louisville can all finish the season undefeated, so... I mean that wouldn't that just be like the craziest thing? Three teams in one conference finishing undefeated before the conference championship game because that means that you got a team at home that's going to be able to say, "Well, hey, we're twelve and zero. Why can't we go to the playoff? It's not our fault because we just simply lost on weird and strange time." Man, I I, I love college football. Like I think that's going to be just a. I really want that scenario to happen because I want I want to see. I, I, I would love to see it because that means you're going to have two undefeated ACC teams. How do you tell a team that went undefeated? How do you tell a power five team that went undefeated that you can't go to the playoff? And how do you tell, how do you punish another one because they played an extra game 
because of a tie break, man, it, it, that that situation is just so so fun to think about. Like I. I need I need those three teams to handle their business because I need to see the discourse and the dialogue, and I'm sure that you expansionists out there are, you know, gonna, you know, point to why this is ex- why expansion should should be a thing, but still not gonna buy into the expansion argument. College football was just fine without expansion. It'll be just fine with it, but it was just fine without it. Man, I love the sport. All right, let's get back into it. Last preview. And then we'll get into walk-off wages and then go ahead and get up out of here. UCLA and Oregon State, um, both teams are still alive uh, for for Pac-12 title contention. Um, But it is a must-have for both programs. Um, UCLA is winning with defense, which is not something that I thought I would be saying about a Chip Kelly team. But UCLA is winning with defense. When do we get this Dante Moore breakout game? I I've really 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 been um been uh been been waiting for that in in his last um conference road game he he didn't he didn't look he didn't look he didn't look too great can he get a cleaner start this time can can we not start with a pick six can we get off to a, a, a clean and play a cleaner game I think that they are figuring out some things out there with UCLA um, Oregon State. Is um they're no slouch um defensively either though they're snuffing out opponents run games uh for the most part this um this game feels like it's gonna be about two to three big plays which which team has the guy that's gonna be able to generate those big plays for me I think it's gonna be Silas Bolden I think Silas Bolden the Oregon State receiver he was a game breaker against Utah uh, I think he's gonna do the same thing on Saturday I think. Um, Corvallis, Oregon is going to be overjoyed with a big win and they're going to cover um, and head into the bye week before having a very workable schedule. They finish their season going against Washington and then going on the road to the Autzen Zoo against Oregon. Really interesting game here. I, I, I wanted to take Chip Kelly. I really did. I, I I wanted to take him in that game, but I I've I've been got on, on on Chip Kelly too many times. Maybe next season, maybe next season. Watch, they're gonna, yeah, maybe next season. All right, let's get into walk off wagers. We went one and three last week. We'll try to do a little bit better this week. Uh, I like Kansas um, on the road against Oklahoma State. They're getting two and a half points. I like them to cover that. Um, I know Oklahoma State looked a little bit better against Kansas State. Just uh, I, I think that there is just a bit too much offense, regardless of Jalen Daniels or Jason Bean at quarterback for Kansas. I'm on the Jayhawks for two and a half. Uh, UMass um, are 41 and a half point dogs on the road um, against Penn State. I'm gonna take UMass to cover the 41 and a half. That's just a lot of points. I will say. I feel like the James Franklin, James Franklin knows how to cover a spread late. He does, and he's gonna have to prove me wrong. And he's gonna have to show me this weekend that that he that he can cover this spread late. Uh, yeah, that that they, that that one that one might that one might be a little bit painful. But I'm, I'm gonna go ahead and ride with that one. Purdue's getting 19 and a half as they host Ohio State. Ohio State. Yeah, I I had I had Maryland covering 19 and a half 
last week against Ohio State on the road. Ohio State won by 20. Maybe this, maybe Ohio State having to travel this week. Maybe I can get that one point back. But yeah, we're we're, we're gonna rock with that one. And then the last one I got for y'all is gonna be South Carolina. They got two. They're they're uh, two and a half point favorites as they take on Florida. Um, this I just I'm just gonna trust Beamer Ball. It's nothing. It's nothing but me trusting Beamer Ball. So there you go. Kansas minus two and a half, UMass plus forty one and a half, Purdue plus nineteen and a half, and South Carolina minus two and a half. <sighs> All right, good stuff today, y'all. Little late, but got it done. Uh, appreciate you all for tuning in. Uh, man, I mean, it's just can't can't believe that. Uh, again, we're already halfway through the season. Make sure that you enjoy every second of it. Make sure you enjoy your college football weekend. We'll be back next week with more college football talk on all football is good football. I am Aaron Irvin, wishing you a wonderful weekend. Take care and God bless.